This is the Info Junkie Podcast. I'm Tom Clancy Jr., and this is my show where I talk with interesting people about what makes them tick, what keeps them up at night, and why they get up in the morning to do it all over again. I hope you enjoy it. This is a very special episode, live in front of a studio audience at a Creative Masterminds event, hosted at the incredible Times Square offices of LDI Color Toolbox. The episode features a conversation with Mark DeMassimo of DeMassimo Goldstein, a world-leading brand response agency. We got some live Q&A from the Masterminds crowd, and we had a blast. I hope you enjoy our chat with Mark DeMassimo. We're sound checked. We're good to go. So, hey, how are you, everybody? Uh, we are here uh, with a weird live podcast, the Inspiring Action podcast, as well as the Info Junkie podcast is now currently live. I am Tom Clancy, and I'm sitting here with the amazing and illustrious Mark DeMassimo. And I'm Mark DeMassimo, and welcome to the Inspiring Action show. I'm here with Tom Clancy. Holy shit, folks. Uh, or do you curse on your podcast a lot? Fuck. I don't know. <laughs> no, I would never fucking do that. Okay, good, good. That would I, totally alienate my yeah. audience. I pick up the I picked up the iTunes explicit really quickly. Um, I noticed you, all the explicits, uh, and I was like, is this the right Tom Clancy? Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a foul-mouthed little bastard. Um, hey, how are you guys doing out there? Can, or can you hear us well enough? Are we talking and sounding like regular people for the most part? All right, awesome. Oh, all right. So hey. We are... Uh, and we are yeah. live. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we're here today to just sort of talk about our podcasting journey and, and what has gone into making this a reality. So, I mean, ultimately, Mark, my question to you is, what made you decide to get started on a podcast? You know, that's an existential question. First off, when I talk into the mic here, can you all hear me out there? And okay. also, don't be afraid to do this. These, these things are oh, pretty... Wow. pretty we can get we can get super sultry. First off, can and we sexy. just I want I'm going to answer your question, but uh -huh. I just want to express my podcast setup envy that I have here, <laughs> because I be, I have a set of of headphones with with the little tiny I have a tiny mic yeah. a tiny mic, uh -huh. and you've got this whole like has well, any I'm an IT guy of course has I'm anybody have the in your mega. audience seen your getup seen uh, your equipment actually many of the members of this audience have been my podcast guests so far from our video team to <laughs> I'm gonna push Steph your Cop. I'm We've... gonna push your explicit rating one step further and just admit right here that Tom Clancy has much larger equipment than I do. <laughs> <laughs> much larger, incredibly uh, impressive equipment. Mark, as an Irishman, I need to compensate much more. Thank so you. your Italian <laughs> gifts are, are definitely... Uh, These mics are very well hung, I must say. Uh, as an Italian, off there. I You don't need to put I them approve. on, just get them out of your I face. get them out, out of there. Okay. There you go, look at that. That's great. So, yeah, so, I mean, but how much time did we just use up there? Just, uh, but that's kind of the beauty of podcasting, though, is that you can do it with an iPhone and a headphone. I mean, really what you have to have is something to say. It's no longer about the equipment. You don't need to have a giant studio and a control surface and a $6,000 microphone. So you're saying it's not about size, but I've also noticed well, I've, that I've been your that podcasts are twice as long as my podcasts. Once again, And people have been telling me, Mark, your podcasts are long. You should maybe think about shortening them. Right, James? Right? Mm -hmm. have, you, mm -hmm. have you heard that in the agency? No, James, James would never say that. Mm -hmm. At 45 minutes, people are saying maybe a half hour, mm -hmm. and yet your podcasts are like twice as long as my podcasts. Yeah, I, I, I've settled in on a, on a solid hour as being my format because I like to run it as just a natural conversation. Um, you know, I, I feel like when I sit down for a cup of coffee with somebody, um, it's going to take about an hour, and I want to be able to give them that focus, and that's just how I run it. Um, so I'm not doing it as like I have a particular message or I have like a, a ser set series of questions. It's just a dialogue. So my so you asked me in the beginning, you know, why did why did I start uh, podcasting? And you know, a lot uh, a lot of my life goes back to um, advice my mom gave me when I was 11 years old, and she I said, was saying I have podcasts. to I have to write. She said, get into podcasts, plastics, <laughs> and the internet. Uh, that was the big stuff. Yeah, which you know. In 1960, I was say 1972, whatever it was, uh, was pretty prescient. But no, she, she, I, I said, I'm having a little trouble. I got to write this paper for school, and I, I'm not a very good writer. 
And she said, Mark, you're a good talker. Just write the way you talk. Mm -hmm. And so I started doing that. And pretty soon I had short stories. And pretty soon I was a writer. Mm -hmm. And so then that's that's kind of been the core of my career. You know, I'm an ad guy. I'm a, I was a copywriter. Um, and, you know, I was a ad guy, copywriter, became an entrepreneur. That's that's basically my story. So, Mom, thank you. And mm -hmm. then, you know, people said, you, you, you always love to get into these conversations and you have this this mission, which we named Inspiring Action. It was all about, you know, you can motivate people, you can manipulate people, you can bribe people with offers. Um, but then, you know, if you're trying to build a company or a reputation, after you've done that, you're kind of stuck with those people. And what have you told them about yourself? What have you told them about themselves? If you've just bribed them in, manipulated them in, or tricked them in, they don't know why they're your customers or your clients. Um, but if you bring them in in a meaningful way that feels meaningful to them, then maybe your customers will agree about why they're your customers. And that's really what a brand is. Mm. And so we said, well, that's inspiring action. So can we, can we generate action in ourselves, in other people, and do it in an inspiring way? And as soon as we really established that mission, um, one of my first thoughts was, oh, my God, I have to learn so much more about this. And how can I get even more people who I admire to talk to me about this subject that I've now said I, I want to be an expert about? Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, if I had a show, mm -hmm. I could do that. My chief creative officer, Tom Chrisman, said I spend all my time commuting listening to podcasts podcasts are, are incredible and you really should have one right so i said sure i'll try it mm -hmm. yeah i mean my story is is so similar i mean ultimately it, it was about that i've always had these incredible conversations with people over just a cup of coffee or um at a networking event or whatever and i just find myself saying man i wish we had recorded that because i feel like we got down to something kind of interesting it goes beyond the oh what do you do for a living side of uh, of the dialogue and, and it starts getting into the why do you do that like what's that thing that motivates you how did you get into that like how did you get into plastics or whatever it was and i find that so entertaining i find that so meaningful you know yeah it's there's something about overhearing a real conversation that is really compelling. You know, you get in, you you learn, you get into other people's heads, and this, and especially with a longer conversation, people let down their guard mm -hmm. and they start to talk about what's really important. Right. Yeah. I mean, and of course, the challenge is keeping it entertaining. I know that my podcast at an hour long, even my wife is like, "Yeah, I couldn't listen to this one. This was just I checked out after twenty minutes." And it's like, you know, that's a risk that that, that I take by having this unedited, long form dialogue, um, as opposed to the really tight. Give me ten minutes, fifteen minutes. Throw some edits. Give me a couple of sound effects or whatever. I don't have that kind of attention span, and I just don't know that I can get to the meat of it in ten minutes. I'm not a journalist. So once I was, this is I think about ten years ago. I was in Princeton, New Jersey, or near Princeton, New Jersey, at a popular brunch place. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, at the next table, Bill Moyers, you know, okay. Bill Moyers, right, for, for, was with, I think, his family. That had to be his family. His um, secret family, his second family. I, it could have been. But mm -hmm. there he was with, with his family, people who knew him really well. And I couldn't hear what his, he was saying, but his mouth was moving the whole time. And those people were doing everything they could not to listen to him. <laughs> like he, to him, to them, he was the most boring person in the world. So I just thought like, all right, people to actually tune into this guy's show to hear what he has to say, but to his family, he is the most boring person in the world. Yeah. And so, yeah, I never ask yeah. people who are close to me to listen to my show. I don't expect them to read my books. Mm -hmm. I don't, they're, they're not going through my blogs. No. I mean, they have heard more than they want to know of my opinions. I, and I, my job is to listen to them. Are your sons convinced when they grow up they're going to work for DeMosimo Goldstein? Absolutely not. Really? Absolutely not. Oh. I, you know, uh, um, they're, first off, the idea of growing up and working at all, I'm not sure has occurred to, <laughs> uh, to my 15-year-olds. My 8-year-old yeah. is... He literally, I'll be like, Jack, what are you doing? He's like, 
he'll say, this is the other day. I'm thinking, I'm like, what are you thinking about? I was like, I'm just not sure whether to go for my PhD or not. He's my eight-year-old. <laughs> I'm like, PhD in what? He's like, I'm not sure. I'm considering um, biology. Cause, uh, but he, someone, he got from somewhere that people with more education make more money. So he's like, all right, PhD sounds good. He doesn't realize that there could be a limit to that theory. Right, yeah. So, exactly. But the 15-year-olds, if I brought up, you know, like they don't want to talk about what they're doing tomorrow. Really? So they're not going to be summer interns at uh, at Damasimo, the cold scene? I next, bring next them summer. into the office um, one day in the summer, mm -hmm. and I give them some advertising assignments and make them come to some meetings nice. so they can see what happens. Um, when I was a, a kid, my mom's parents had a, uh, a hair salon, and... Um, as they got older, they moved it from you know wherever it was in New Jersey to a house that they lived in, and it was downstairs. So you know, I spent a lot of time drying my brain out, you know, sitting sitting on some telephone books mm -hmm. under one of those dome hair dryers. Oh wow! You know, so you hours. Had, you had like perfect coiffure. There's hair, a reason for this. It's not just marijuana in the mm -hmm, '70s. Like mm -hmm. there's. I really dried all of this stuff out. Yeah. Um, I wish I had done that. But when I wasn't under there, I was listening to my grandfather and grandmother talk about business, how you take care of clients. Mm -hmm. And they would dispense advice like, um, what do you do when somebody comes in and says they want to look like Marilyn Monroe, but they don't look anything like Marilyn Monroe? How do you deal with that? Um, and Now, I'm an IT guy. I would simply say, yeah, that's not possible. See, we there you go. We don't have a lot of couth in that regard. It's like, no, sorry. I can give you a lot more storage, so, but you've so got plenty of junk in that trunk already. My so. grandfather, who was beloved of, um, I mean, the legend is that he was so beloved of his clients in New Jersey that some general's wife got her husband to get him excused from World War II service. <laughs> we all believe this in my family. I don't know if it's true, but he didn't go to World War II. Wow. And as far as we know, that's the reason. But he would say, let's make you the most beautiful you you can be. Mm, I like that. I like so, that. So, yeah, that was good. So I took some of those things away. And my grandmother would say, shut up. <laughs> my grandmother had fingers that were like spikes. And before my grandfather, with his gentle hands and his charm, would cut your hair, my grandmother would scrape the skin off of your scalp as she when she washed you, you know. Yeah, At least that's to, how it felt to a young kid. Yeah, and she had to let every woman in the in the town know, don't don't get any fancy ideas about my husband. She was right I there. Will rip your hair out of your head. She was she did the firing and she did the scaring and he did all the charming. Yeah, and that was it. And 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 you have such a similar partner relationship today. With Goldstein? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. He, yeah. He's the resident tough guy and you're Joey Smiles. He, he is. He it's, wants it. He wants it yesterday and that makes it easy for me to you know, to to be the nice guy and not worry because mm -hmm. I know that things are getting done. Yeah, now my my business partners and I have we all basically have multiple mouths all on the same bones at the same time where sometimes I'm mean, sometimes I'm nice, sometimes he's funny, sometimes he's mean, you know, sometimes he's on operations, sometimes I'm on sales. It's like it's a little bit of a thing, but we've been doing it now together for 13 years and have known each other for 20 plus years that it's one of we've just sort of found a rhythm that makes sense and we sort of know when to pass it off, you know. When I mean even when I was setting up for tonight, I was frantically banging on my laptop trying to get it to work because it's a software update and this isn't working and it's not talking. And George just looks at me and says, what do you need? And I was like, I don't know. I guess I could use the iMac that I normally do my recording on. He's like, no problem. And he just calls the office and he's like, get that iMac and start running towards Times Square. And it was like, I can't believe you would do that. Like, that's such a – these guys want to go home. But, but he was doing the right thing and protecting sort of the – you know, our presentation. And then as soon as he said it, it kind of amplified the pressure and it activated the stupid lizard part of my brain that figured out how to fix the problem. You know, it's like my propeller hat had to go back on my head. Stop being an entrepreneur for a minute and go back to being a tech, you knucklehead. And I, I did it. I figured it out. I'm very proud to say we are actively recording. You can see this isn't fake. Um, <laughs> so I like to work with people. People are people I get, you mm -hmm. know, and all of that machines scare me and the thing it's not that they scare me they frustrate me mm -hmm. because the thing with 
The thing with a machine that makes a machine different from a person, like a person could have 90% of their systems operating really well. Mm-hmm. And you can find a way to kind of work with that person. Right. And if, if the person is, you know, if the person or the relationship or the fit is so defective that it's not going to work, then you go work with a different person. But generally, you can, like, negotiate with the person. Mm-hmm. With a machine, it could be 99.999% perfect. But if one thing is not working. That's it. Turn it off. Throw it out. It's, yeah. And, and it won't tell you, you know. Mm-hmm. It won't tell you which part is not working. Machines... I fucking hate machines. I think, but I love people <laughs> who like to fix machines. Well, they're very important to have in your life. If you don't like machines, have a good relationship with your mechanic. Have a good relationship with your IT guy. You know, and I mean, I'm I'm on the other side of it. Not that I dislike people. It's just that I'm not necessarily nearly as good at becoming the m- most beautiful me that I can be. I'm very good at doing the. the I think machine. you're. I think you're lovely. I mean, for people who are listening. Oh, shucks. Uh, what a, a beautiful person! It's the it's the starry it's the starry eyes. You that are get kind it. of the charmer of your of 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 your company, though, don't you think? Oh well, yeah. I mean, I, I'm saying that. I'm only that, saying that because Gene is out there, yeah, and I, I know he's. It's, <laughs> it's, I know he, well, he's definitely he's, not that. <laughs> <laughs> All results. If you need somebody to explain how the air multiplier works, though, Gene's your guy. You know, I can yeah. come up with a theory and make it sound convincing. You, you, <laughs> you, you can. But, uh, but if you actually want it to work correctly, you it's need to have gene. that guy. Let me ask you some inspiring action questions. Okay. How do you get people to do things? Um, I generally, I find I don't have to beat them. I mostly wave the gun around, and that seems to help. So threats, fear, and intimidation? Yeah. No, uh, um, the, the, the quote... Um, I don't know if, if, if it's Seneca, and I sound like such a yaley douche when I say that, but it's that th- the best way to um, to build a ship is to not collect wood and nails and give a bunch of orders. It's rather to find a bunch of like-minded people and share your love of the deep open sea. Mm. And then they will build the ship with you and join you in that journey. It's not about giving orders. It's about sharing the vision. It's about sharing the long-term plan. You know, when I recently retook over our company as president, my business partner, George, is now running our cloud division, our cloud and and development side of our world. Um, What I shared with the staff was sort of my JFK speech of like, we are going to go to the moon and we are going to get back safely. And to make that a reality, we are going to have to do a lot of different things. We've got to get a monkey and put him in a spacesuit and put him on a rocket pad. And some of those monkeys are not going to make it back. And we've got to figure out how to make space toilets. And we're going to invent Tang. And we're going to do all of this stuff so that we can get to the moon and get back safely. I don't know what that means yet for our company, but I know that that's essentially how I'm going to lead you guys and how we're going to get to where we want to be, where we are a company that has an office in Los Angeles and Chicago and, and Austin, Texas and the creative hubs of the world because we're a creative support company. I need my staff to understand that that's what we're working towards is that we're working towards making our company a national player in creative support. So is that is is that your deep open sea? Is that yeah, the vision? That is. For so me, what's so uh, so what what is it about that vision that the that you, you the, the leaders of your team find compelling? Um, I think that they are generally motivated by challenge. They're motivated by opportunity. They're motivated by the trust that I put in them. When I say, I know that you can lead this service division, I know that you can lead this reactive team, I know that you can run these projects, I know full well that you are going to make our customers have fewer painful reactionary tickets. If I tell you that that's your mission and these are the guys that are going to work with you to do that and your number one goal is to reduce the volume of reactive requests, I have faith in you that that's going to happen. They get motivated. They get motivated by that trust. They don't want too many specific instructions. They don't want it to be, you know, take two steps to the left and then dig a hole and then go over here. It's just, no, take that hill. Take that hill. I'm going to trust you to do it however you need to do it. Take the hill. That's the mission, you know, and, and it, it has worked so far. So uh, on, the, on the Uber ride over, James, who's, uh, who's here with me from the agency, uh, today a- asked me, you know, who you who you are, mm-hmm. um, and you know, one of his second question was, "Is Valiant big?" And I said, 
I have no idea. It, the <laughs> thought never occurs to me. We've been working together for, for so long, no. big enough to service us really well, you know? Yeah. And so I, so it's, it's, uh, it's interesting, the perspective from a, from a client, which is just once you're happy, then you stop asking that kind of question. But. Right, because it doesn't necessarily matter if they're big or small. I mean, you know, it's a roundabout answer. I mean, we're 27 people, so we're definitely not, you know, three men with a bag anymore. Right, there right. There was a time. You know, there was sure. a time when you hung out your shingle where you were Mark DeMassimo, creative genius. Please give me work. You Although know, it was much more humble shingle, but... Uh, well, yes, but it was subtext. I would say Mark DeMassimo will write for money, and then Goldstein <laughs> would come up and erase it and write Mark DeMassimo Creative Genius yes. under it. Well, it's good to have a business partner that's a fan of you. You know, it, it really is. It, it, it is. It, all, you talk about inspiring. What's more inspiring than the faith that you guys put in each other? You know, I mean, isn't that what helps you guys get in there in the morning is knowing that, hey, screensaver. I, um, I think that's a—I mean, I, th I, th I think you, you, you couldn't be more right. There, there was a point— where, um, and let's focus on the good decisions I've made because obviously I've made a lot. Of, everybody <laughs> makes a lot of bad decisions, but four or but, five. But, but there was a point where I realized that in order to grow the business, I needed to have a partner mm -hmm. who was a real partner, and there was a choice to either go out and bring in somebody with a lot an experienced manager you know to be that person um, or to grow more slowly com commit to Lee who showed a lot of potential but mm -hmm. it was early in his career um, and he and I talked about it and you know the advantage of making that commitment was we could get aligned in a way that two managers who just happened to to meet and start working together would never do, right? right. Um, it would force us to learn together, for me to participate in his learning experience. Mm -hmm. um, but I think at the time, I didn't think about it this way, but the sacrifice, which was obvious um, on my part and on his, in order to really commit was a, was a huge motivator for both of us. We both realized we were betting on each other which bonded us, bonded us in such a way where, you know, I mean, we still, obviously we both, we have families to feed and, you know, employees to, to feed, to feed <laughs> and, um, and, you know, uh, reputations to worry about. And, you know, we all like to, to, you know, who, well, all, all non-sociopaths actually care whether people think they're assholes or not to some degree. Right. Um, so you know we're 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 yeah we're still separate human beings, but there's always the that calculation of is this good for my partner you know mm -hmm. and is this you don't want to undermine a relationship that you've invested so much in right well I mean and as business partners you're as married to your business partner as you are to your wife I mean obviously you and the wife share children and no matter what you're always going to share that bond that's always going to be a thing. Like I've tried impregnating Lee like seven or eight different ways, and it it never works. Huh, it never seven works. Seven or eight? Yeah, I know. I, I'm a creative. Thought, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. George and I have only done it three different ways, but it, that's that's good. That's good. I, I've got to I'm gonna have to talk to you about that off, off mic. Yeah. Three way. Um, three way conversation. Should I write that as a next step? Yeah, I think that's a good next step okay, for yeah, us. Um, so now uh, now back to podcasting. I mean, you know, I. I What's exciting me most about this is is exactly this. It's just how dem democratic this is. It's how available. In the early part of my career, I used to do tech support for Rush Limbaugh. Don't oh. judge. I was just his tech support. Um, I was uh, I was Roger Ailes' ad guy. I and, and Roger Ailes was Rush Limbaugh's executive producer for his TV show at the same time. Wow. So there you go. I mean, you know, so we were running in, in a similar. They had circle great technology. Yeah. We we he was a he was an early Mac fan big time mac fan he was always a super puppy like super nice guy in every way treated his staff great treated his team great never scrimped on anything um but their organization was big their control surface was big and there was a team of these well-trained professionals with 30 years of experience johnny donovan and all these like old radio guys that just knew it and there was millions of dollars worth of equipment to get his voice to the market 
obviously his market was bigger. It was this broadcast environment, and people were tuning in by the millions. But this is just so democratic. It's so easy to do where you can pick up a, a, an iPhone and a headset and just get to work bringing your message. And whether 10 people engage with it or 100 or a million, y you know full well that anybody that you're talking to is, is, is listening. They're part of that dialogue, and you're connecting with them. Absolutely. Where was Rush doing his show at that time? Uh, he was. I do was, terrible imitations. That sounds nothing like Rush Limbaugh, no, but, was, you know. But I was, tried. At least was, I tried. It was fantastically bad. Thank you. Um, so we were we were supporting them out of uh, at a CBS two pen plaza. Okay. Was he, he recording was, there, or was he down in Florida? He was mostly down in Florida, and he would come up to New York like one week out of six and do some stuff in the CBS uh, lab. Did you have a question, Mr. Corn? Yeah. We've got a microphone for you. Why don't you? Uh, Grab the grab the mic. We've got fifty foot of cable, so that can work its way around the room. And so we're happy you, to you take were talking about, and this is, by the way, Michael Korn, one of the creative masterminds. Yeah, you, you were talking about the democracy of podcasting and such. You yes. have a podcast, and, and a couple other people we know have podcasts. How do you get an audience? How do you break through? And 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 like, there's umpteen thousand podcasts. I never heard of yours. No offense, N it, but it, but how new. do you? And I, and I listen to those kind of podcasts. How do you get through? How do you how do you create awareness of it? He's never heard of the Inspiring Action Podcast. Well, today is the day. He now the Inspiring Action Podcast. You know, repetition works really well. That's, that's one thing that's you learn in advertising. So Inspiring Action, you say? And it's one thing you'll, you will learn if you listen to the Inspiring Action Podcast. And if you Google the Inspiring Action Podcast, you will mm -hmm. find the Inspiring Action Podcast oh, on good. iTunes. Interesting. So uh, seven times is the number that it takes to get. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anything, for example, the Inspiring Action podcast that was number seven, by the way, right. into somebody's head. You have to you have to dig an Inspiring Action groove mm -hmm. into the Inspiring Action section of the brain. Right. Okay. So um, so that's what you need to do. But uh, so all right. So I guess I'm the marketing guy, so I, I mean, can talk yeah. a little bit I mean, about you, that. You've probably got more of a plan of how to make your podcast a a, a, a success than I certainly do. I've got the technology. I have no plan. Um, well, you're you're the one who made this happen, right? So you you know you 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 uh, you but there, and for for those who are who are just listening, the, we're in a podcasts. we're in a room. It's full of people. We're here in Times oh, Square you know, at the lovely offices of uh, LDI Color Toolbox. Uh, Ninety percent of them are awake. Print right? vendor to the source. I'm seventy five at this 75. point. Seventy um, five. Uh, some are just pretending. Uh, but how do you make any you business did that. successful? I mean, you make any business successful with a, with a concerted marketing effort, which means a plan. You know, it, it can't just be a wish on the wind. You actually have to say what your goals are. There are networks, there are podcasting networks that are out there that you can become a member of, um, provided that you've got uh, a content and a voice and a rhythm. They're really looking for, in the world of podcasts, people are looking for consistency, consistent length, consistent churn of content coming out every week or every month or whatever your schedule is to looking for you to be interesting um i but beyond that that that's that this is a question really for the the bigger podcast people i guess and you know here we are i mean <laughs> yeah ask somebody successful now yeah. the, you know the uh the, <laughs> the the from a marketing standpoint you know you really start with uh who you know what does success look like? The thing about podcasting is that you don't have to be um, the number one podcast in, in America. You don't. It's you don't have to uh, compete with the Rush Limbaugh's in order to get heard by the people who matter to you. So you really start with who matters to me. It's that whole long tail uh, phenomenon. Um, Oops! There was a book, the a thousand true fans, right. which yeah, uh, the the fanatics and and you know, I mean, angle. you 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 really don't need that big an audience in order to to really matter. So if you can get down to who really matters to me, who's going to really influence, um, you know, the success of my enterprise and the success of this podcast, um, one thing you can do is start interviewing them. That's one thing I've done. You know, I've gone out and said, well, who there are let's say there are in my case three or four thousand people that that I really want to be aware of and interested in my show. I ask myself, who's interesting to those people? 
And I need to be interesting too, interested too in these people because I, it, it's going to show if I'm not. And then I go out and I figure out who I can get on the show that will be interesting to both of us. Mm-hmm. I know when the other thing about podcasts is they don't go away. I know when there is a long list and 10 of the people, those 3,000 people are most interested in are on this show I think they're going to start saying to themselves, wow, who is this guy, Mark DeMassimo, who's gotten 10 people I'm interested in talking on his show? And I I have found that that is starting to happen, that people are finding me. The other thing is that... So great guests. Yeah, go on. Great guests is is the... The short answer there, right? I mean, making sure that you're getting great guests, and that's not hard to do. I mean, the amazing thing is if you tell somebody, look, I want to have a 10-minute conversation on my podcast, anyone will make 10 minutes. Um, Seth you, Godin won't, ta- won't make 10 minutes. You don't think so? Well, I asked, him, I asked him three days ago, and he wrote me a really polite reply to my email saying that he— that he was not available. He's not in a position to help right now. Oh, okay. Well, look, he took two minutes to write you that email. It was nice. He congratulated me on my success. I, in fact, I, I printed it out. I'm going to have it framed. Oh, because, sweet. Because it, it's an email from Seth. Yeah, we might. Well, we just did. Yeah. Technically speaking. I think speaking. I'm going to prank call him from the podcast. We totally should. That? Let's just start Skyping him in. Yeah. Oh, but I've been impressed by that, that, I mean, the, I got turned on to a, a podcast a tech writer out of Long Island, and he's been able to interview leaders of a lot of different tech companies who have just, they're, they're under, they're, they're not running the circuit. I mean, Seth Godin is running the circuit. He is a media, forgive the term, he's a media whore. That's what he does. But there are plenty of people that run interesting businesses that are not getting constantly banged on for interviews. When was the last time that the you know vice president of operations at Timex was interviewed? Probably been a while. And if a letter crossed his desk, he might say, yeah, I would pick up that call. Yes. You know, why not? Because it's good for him in the long run of his career. They want to hear what I have to say. That's interesting. You know? Well, that's the other thing, too. I mean, once... Once you create that interview, it becomes media that they can use, right? So they also have their social networks. They also have their ways of promoting. Mm -hmm. And so through their network, your podcast gets promoted. Reflected uh, sunlight in a way. So it's just another marketing vehicle. It is absolutely another marketing vehicle. and And, you know, I think marketing and the... If you if you think people talk about marketing and sometimes they mean marketing in, in terms of learning about the marketing, the strategy, right? Learning about the marketing, sizing the market, figure, learning about who you can target and, and all of that. And then they some people talk about marketing and they're talking about marketing communications, right? So I actually think podcasting at best is both. You can really learn a lot about your target because you're having a dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's also great marketing communications. It's, it's social, it's targeted and, and it's, and it's another bullet in your bandolier. I mean, marketing, any marketing plan that only has one prong is not going to be terribly successful. If all you're doing is doing postcards, if all you're doing is doing email blasts, if all you're doing is podcasting, it's not going to work. Not for, not for podcasts, not for any business. I mean, all marketing is multi-prong. I mean, all of you guys out here in this audience are all represent different prongs of the marketing world and, and the marketing toolkit. It's an audience of prongs. I mean, ultimately, I, I don't know that you were prepared to have yourselves called that, but I mean, that is really what it boiled down to. Um, <laughs> and, and podcasting is just, it's a new tool. It's a new weapon. And, you know, we can take advantage of it, leverage it, and use it or not. Anybody else have any other uh, sort of questions for the for the floor, as it were? Mr. Ozzy, why don't we uh, pass the mic over to Mr. Ozzy uh, of LDI, Color Toolbox. Our Thank you for your host. question, sir, and for not abusing the microphone. <laughs> yeah, so I noticed that you guys aren't working off any, like, prepared notes. Do you guys prepare for your podcast? Are you just doing it off the cuff? Do you have a set of ideas or topics that you want to talk about before you engage in it? It's a good question. I mean, I, I'll... Uh, for for the Inspiring Action podcast, um, typically I do quite a bit of preparation. I mean, in general, I have the same agenda, which is, what do you what does Inspiring Action mean to you? How do you inspire action? What's the difference between inspiration and motivation? And how does what do you do 
help me learn more and my audience learn more about how to inspire action because we all have actions we want to inspire our, in ourselves. You know, eat less, get fit, um, you know, learn a subject, do more of what you love in life, feel better, whatever it is. We all want to inspire action in ourselves and we also have other people we want to inspire action in. Um, you know, you want to get consulting clients. Um, maybe you'd like them to do a little more of what, what you suggest. I don't know, but, but we all have that. So that's my, my agenda. In each case, I want to go in with a point of view about how this person's specific expertise or knowledge or experience might bear on the subject. So I'll read what they write. Um, you know, in Tom's case, I know Tom for a long time. I went, I listened to his podcast. Um, I had listened to a few in the past. I went and I went right down the list as well, too, because I didn't want to walk in here and, you know, not know who I was having a conversation with. Right. Yeah. And I mean, for me, I, I want to make sure that I know a little bit about the person that I'm meeting with and, but I don't want to know too much. I'm actually quite happy to interview or, or, or talk with people that I don't know all that well um, because it's, it makes the dialogue and my curiosity really genuine. Um, I want to make sure that I'm always being as genuine as I can in my conversations with people. And I feel like <laughs> if I put on radio voice and I say, so tell me a little bit about your wife. And I'm like trying to set up, you know, it's like it's you should have done Rush Limbaugh. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, way better. You think? Yes. I mean, that's but that's just it, it never feels real to me. But then again, I mean, I've also I, I recently recorded a podcast with Steph Kaup, who I've known for, I don't know, 25 years at this point. And I feel like our conversation was very genuine and our mutual curiosity about each other and our process really read through too so um, I don't necessarily have to go in naked but I don't generally for me I don't prepare a lot of notes I I feel like when I have the notes they would be right in front of me and I would be staring at them instead of staring at my guest I'd be looking at the notes and going when is he going to shut up so that I can ask question three how do I segue what he's saying into question three? that's very interesting so let's talk about this it's like it's just it reads weird for me um, but then again, I'm not a trained journalist. You know, I think that part of what makes Charlie Rose and, you know, uh, what's her name from Fresh Air such good interviewers is they do have these copious notes and they're able to very naturally control that conversation. But they've been doing this for 40 years. I'm, I'm always when I listen to people like that. I mean, some people say Charlie Rose talks a little too, too much. So when I listen to people like that, I'm amazed by how brief their questions really are. You know, they're able to, to master these transitions from what the person said before to what they're gonna say next, you know, with just the right question at just the right time. Yeah. And you kind of notice when they don't. I mean, that's why people sometimes say that about Charlie Rose, because sometimes he takes two sentences instead of one. Whereas on my podcast, um, I mean, what's the name of that podcast again? It's the Inspiring Action uh, right. podcast I, for anybody who was out of the room I, when yeah, I repeated I'm, I'm Inspiring Action seven times info, before. I thought it was the Info Junkie podcast, but that's a different guy's the show. The Info Junkie podcast yeah, meets yeah, yeah. the Inspiring Action podcast. Yes, I See, I just found a way to say it again. It's like Godzilla and Mothra. Advertising, it's all about uh, re repetition. Um, but I just, I, uh, someone, I was in a, I'm in a Vistage group. It's like a, you know, a group of CEOs trying to figure out mm -hmm. what the hell they're doing. And have you, you guys know. out here done Vistage or anything like that? Vistage is cool. I recommend it. So I interviewed one of the guys in the group for the I inspiring. I recommend coaching. Yeah, I, I have also had coaching. I've had, I've had it all, you know, yeah. just to be in, you know, get to uh, that You point. have to be perpetually learning and growing. I mean, if you're not, I mean, Tiger Woods has a stroke coach. You know what I mean? Neil Pert has a drum teacher. Like, I mean... Even the people that are the best in the world still always have a coach because that's how they stay the best in the world. Yes. And you could always get better in some way, right? I mean, you know, we, we're always changing. We may be getting worse. Mike Gansel has a question. Mike. Oh, Mike Gansel wants a plug. Oh, uh, you're oh coaching plug. Mike Mike Gansel, the seasoned voice of reason, uh, which is a uh, which he Mike Gansel is actually the business coach that helped really transform my business not once but twice. Um, but his partner Matt rescued us in 2008 when we what ran. What did out you of say his name was? His name is Mike Gansel, the seasoned voice of reason. Gansel with a G. G G A N S L. 
He can't buy a vowel. Wow. They ran, wow. Out, they ran out of vowels between the S and the L there. Wow. Um, but I bet uh, he could afford a vowel, but he just he gave it to his clients. He did. That's that's exactly how giving he truly is. He truly is. But uh, yes, I, I do highly recommend the, the, the seasoned voice of reason. Um, two, ti- two times running saved my business, um, which is pretty cool. Um, wow. Really helped us transform. And, uh, and that's what the job is, right? So you were saying you had a Vistage coach and or were doing uh, so Vistage? Yeah, so I, rec- I recorded this uh, this Vistage guy and uh, people were saying, "Hey, listen to the show. It was a really good good show, but it was it was a little on the on the long side. How how long would you say it was?" And um, I said, "I know exactly how long it was. It was uh, it was forty nine minutes." And then my interviewee said, "But I think I only spoke for about 15. <laughs> Well, then that means you're you're right. You're cut out for a podcast. Um, <laughs> Maybe so. Anybody else out there have any sort of questions about the world of podcasting or anything like? Any of you guys thinking about starting a podcast? Yeah, Jess Mack. Yes, Jess Mack is thinking about starting Come a podcast. On. Hi, Jess. Well, hey. Uh, the 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 illustrious and amazing Jess Macta from Adoption Engine. Hello. Hi. So, uh, what's uh, what's currently stopping you from starting a podcast? I'm thinking about the technology. If you're talking about interviews, mm-hmm. imagine that you want to interview people nationally about mm-hmm. an experience or about inspiring action. How do you really get, have you listened to some podcasts where you can hear the phone and they're yeah. talking? Do Sounds Skype. really, really crappy. Skype. This is the technology guy speaking. Skype. You can Skype do a, solves y- your problems. Skype is an incredible recording platform for this purpose, and the person sounds like that. Just sounds like we're sitting in the room together. Over G Chat, or same same. No Skype. Yeah. Do Skype. Skype sounds really good, and it's designed for that purpose. Um, that would be my that would be my recommendation. Um, your interviews have been face to face over the phone. Like, what's your sort of stru- your sort of structure? I've done some interviews face to face, and they. Even with the echo of the of of a conference room or whatever, they always sound better. Mm-hmm. Um, the The rest of my interviews I've done with the No Notes app. Okay. On my on my phone, so there's something called No Notes. Uh, it used to record in two channels, mm-hmm. um, but inexplicably, it now only records in one channel, which makes editing, if if any editing is needing a little needed, a little more difficult. Sounds but like you have a tech ticket that needs to get opened. I may have a tech ticket that needs to get. You opened should probably too. call your tech company, um, Valiant. I think they're they're called. They, I uh, think they're big enough to handle this problem. Yeah, by but I mean, far. so uh, I mean, the technology though is not uh, a sufficient hurdle. I mean, you can do it with your phone. You can do it with just about anything, and if you create roadblocks for yourself to get started you're just going to keep finding reasons not to get started i mean isn't that true of just about everything that we do as entrepreneurs i mean everybody in this room is an entrepreneur amen i I just want to i mean i i i started this and i started writing my second book and my first book is was really well written and then i didn't even edit it you know it was just too much work so Mm -hmm. i kind of put it aside and said i'm going to work write the second book and I, I basically said, I am just going to start this. And yes, it will suck in the beginning because like everything you do kind of sucks in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unless it's just this rare combination of talent and medium that, you know, you've been preparing your whole life for. But, you know, why not start? What's, you know, if you do a, if you do a lousy podcast, one, somebody's going to like it. Two, you can then step back and say, "Well, what will make this better? What did I learn?" So right. you do it. Yeah. If you put too, m- if you if you let the head trash get in the way, you know, and just just cons- keep it keep it in the head trash category and just say, "Oh, that's head trash. I don't need to listen to that." That's that's what made me get started. I knew full well that not everyone is going to be a winner. I know full well that a lot of questions are going to be clunkers or answers are going to be too wordy or the technology is going to be weird and fail. But I knew that none of that would happen or matter if I didn't actually hit record. I feel I feel relatively certain that if Seth Godin would be on my podcast, mm-hmm. which he will not be, apparently, right. because he said in his email, he won't be. Well, now he but won't. Now he's not allowed to be. Oh, you know, that's funny. You knew that because that's a draft policy. That's in my drafts box. Do you know that from it? Um, but uh, just just kidding, Seth. You're always welcome, yeah, sir. Call me. Call you're always me. Welcome. 
But I think he would say poke the box because I believe that's the title of one of one of his best-selling books, Poke the Box, which basically so you, you all know that book. So the the whole idea of poke the box is he, he said why do kids learn things so fast? You know, um, he said yeah one reason they you know they didn't lose half their brain cells in the seventies, but right. But another reason is that they just poke things and, and mm-hmm. they figure it out. You know, they play. You know, why I was good at programming the VCR was because I wasn't afraid of trying to program the VCR, whereas my parents were like, don't touch it, it costs $700. Yeah, so you get older, you get conservative, you stop kind of playing. So to me, the podcast is a box. It's a it's a new medium. Google knows everything, by the way. If you have time, you just you Google and you can, I mean, they'll how to do a good podcast, you know. What are the best podcasts? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did a lot of listening also. But What podcast do you listen to? What podcasts do I listen to? You know, I mean, aside from the Info Junkie podcast. Well, I mean that that's my favorite. In fact, I've been binge <laughs> listening uh, lately, and not just to prepare. Once I started listening, I had to listen to, to yeah, all of you, them. Crunch, you can't just have one. No, you can't. No, you can't. And you know, um, uh, what's that new show, Master of None? Mm-hmm. Aziz I, I was halfway through. Has anybody watched that on um, Master yeah. of None? Yes, smart man. Matt Plosiak, the other seasoned voice of reason. Seasoned voice of reason. Um, Oh, yes, he's the younger one. He's less seasoned, but still a voice of reason. Yes. So anyway, you were watching Aziz Ah, Ansari, and you're halfway through. I got halfway through, and then I started listening to to the Info Junkie uh, podcast, Mm -hmm. and I completely forgot until just this moment that I'm halfway through binge-watching. Isn't a great new show on Netflix, so that's how cool it is. And you have um, the opportunity to pick up the. You've got this like Christmas present waiting for you. So so fo- so far for me, the um, I I am going through podcasts in, in themes. Mm, okay. Often I'll start with names I recognize. So you know, I mentioned Seth. You have a question? No, I don't have a question, but I might just say a few Chime words in. of. Chiming in. Mike, Chime in. Oh, Mike please. Gansel Coach us. Mike, Coach us. Mike Gansel is I mean, the I've chimer. I've been sitting here listening. Coach so I figured, us. You know, i got to say something. Yeah, we want to hear so, from you. So, you know, the bottom line about podcasting, it's, it's promotion, which is basically the very heart of marketing. We're all entrepreneurs, as you said earlier, and we all have businesses. So really, what's, what's the point here? The point is, is that we want to communicate one-to-many, which is marketing. So we have lots of ways to do that. And for now, podcasting seems to be a relatively inexpensive and very simple way to basically let people know about us. So today, the world is all about transparency. So it's an opportunity to be personal, tell people about your story, and also to basically provide a level of value and a level of interest. So if, if you're thinking about doing podcasting, I think you have to have a plan. What do you want to tell people, and what level of value do you want to offer? And so, you know, for instance, if you think that Seth Grodin is is a a good theme, it's very easy for you to get Seth to come to your podcast. All you have to do is to continue to talk about him, talk about his books, talk about what he's what he's promoting, and and send him the podcast. And soon enough, he's going to hear it, and he's going to basically he's going to come around. It's not that difficult. And if he doesn't, you'd still basically be promoting something about yourself and about your company, about what you believe in, et cetera. So, I mean, I, I, I agree. I, and I, yeah, I'm going to be honest and say that this is nothing uh, unusual or, or totally different. It really is just another medium to get our, to get our message out. And, and I would say as an entrepreneur, our goal is to always demonstrate that we are bigger as a business than we really are because people really like that. So when, you know, you talked about the fact that yeah. Tom uh, has been, you've been a client of Tom for all these years. He never quite knew how big he was. And he tells you now he's 27 people. At one time, he was only three. But, you know, in reality, I would think that if I were marketing for Valiant, I want the world to know how big Valiant really is. Right. Or how which is 50 people, right? right. Yeah, or yeah. 100, 75 or 100. I like 100. So, so James line, will attest that 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 my company has always been bigger than it is. And the same thing about mm-hmm. you. It's been right? bigger than it is every step of the way. Right, right. because people yeah. like to hear that. 
And that's the issue about podcasting. You want to basically tell people about you and bring a level of value. I think it's, and it's so easy to do. And, you know, Jess, uh, I, I agree with you. You know, it's like we have this fear about the technology. But if, if Tom is correct in saying, you know, listen, you do it with Skype, you have the, the, the uh, a cam, you know, the, uh, what do you call that? You should know. Webcam? A webcam and, and uh, a computer, a mic, you can do it. Just have to have a little idea of what you want to do, the and then build on it. The danger, though, Mike, I would say, not, and and I'm I'm not disagreeing that that is one of the missions of marketing. Is you always want to not necessarily say that you're bigger than you are, but you always want to say that you're big enough to do the job that you're not yet qualified for, so that you can get it, so you can hire the people that you're qualified to do the job, right? Um, I think that one of the dangers, though, with podcasting is that there's a, mount, is a, is a level of honesty and intimacy with podcasting where it is it's one-on-one. -on -one, it is democratic. It's not uh, here I am sitting in our master control center with our 76 employees that are all here to support my golden voice. You know, like the podcasting thing, there's a certain level of this openness that might belie that I'm big. I'm a big timer, you know, and, 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 and we have to make sure that when you say that you're bigger than you are, it, it's that, that you're being honest in that. George Dowderman wants to contribute to the conversation. Um, I haven't yet heard from everybody in the room, but I would like to. The whole uh, thing about honesty or dishonesty is, is, you know, if you're being honest, you don't have to say you're doing it. And if you're being dishonest, it really doesn't help to say that you're doing it, mm -hmm. right? So there you go. Yeah. I think the point is, like, with the podcasting is, you'll find that over time you'll find guests or people that are like way bigger than you assumed they'd be. I was talking to Steph about that just two seconds ago. Like if the person on the other side that you really want to have on your podcast is trying to promote something or they think it's time to do it, mm -hmm. all of a sudden you'll find that that's the appropriate issue. I right. mean, some of the best podcasts I've ever heard of is, hey, this is a, a CrossFit podcast about, you know, and they're, they're promoting something really important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then all of a sudden – They'll have like the top names in that event, so that that I think it's about the timing is important. Is yeah, it? Getting, else? getting on that plug circuit. I mean, the only right. reason that Johnny Carson's show existed was to help actors and other people promote the thing that they were actively promoting at that moment. And your podcast can basically be set up to do that. And as you become a, a voice, a, a domain expert in a particular area, I mean, the Art of Manliness podcast. It's always Perfect. sort of roughly themed around the concept of like improving yourself as a man. So the people that, that he's interviewing are everybody from, you know, men's rights activists to authors of a new book to a fitness guy to a Navy SEAL right. to whomever. It's just like a way to inspire you to become a better man. And that's his theme. Right. And then he just persistently is poking people out there. He's poking that box to say, exactly hey, if you've got a book that's out there, I want to talk to you, I want to interview you, I want to get to know you. And it's like, great, give me an avenue. So, you know, I, I would agree, too, that it's a marketing. It's, it, it, is a, it is a marketing channel, and, and marketers do ruin everything eventually, right? So when they get their greasy hands on yeah, it, their in, mandibles. In, in 10 years, will, will podcasting represent the same opportunity for everyone in this room that it does now, um, I doubt it. You know, e either either it'll really work very well for the people who do it, and therefore too many people will do it, mm -hmm. and uh, and then someone will commercialize it. In that case, marketers ruin everything, right. um, or it'll it'll fizzle, right? But right now, in your field, it could be a way to really differentiate yourself and add to the conversation. And look, we've got, we've got a room full of web developers. 15 years ago, not every business had a website. And having a website was a way to instantly elevate your brand and your company where, I mean, you know, Amazon.com was a joke, but it was a website and you could buy stuff on it. That was freaking revolutionary. But now, right now, every one of us, sole proprietor or not, have a website. Um, and there was a time when having a website was the thing that elevated you and put you into the stratosphere. Nowadays, everybody just kind of has one. 
how much traffic are you getting? How much do you care whether the quality of your website is, you know, Skype audio quality or, uh, you know, a, a lapel mic quality or whatever else? I mean, of course we care. Of course we want to try to elevate it. And the tools have gotten better to make it really easy for you from Squarespace to whomever to make a basic website. But nothing will make a website as good as uh, any one of some of the incredibly talented people that are here in this room will, will make it, right? Um, you know, you can make a bullshit basic website, no problem. If you want to make one that's really good, you've got to engage with somebody. You can make a bullshit basic podcast right now, but that's actually elevating you so much further ahead from all the people that don't yet have a podcast. You don't have to be amazing. You don't have to be the Info Junkie podcast with all of my sophisticated gear to, to have a and podcast. don't even try. Right, don't, no, just, don't even bother because I'm always just going to nuclear, I'm just going to keep up one-upping you. But, I mean, you can get out there. You can get started in this thing, and you can get rolling in it right now because that is enough. Just to get started is enough right now. The same way having a website 15 years ago was enough. It was one prong of the, of the, the ar- in the arsenal. So as, as we get the time to uh, kind of wrap up soon, mm-hmm. um, tell us about the Creative Masterminds and, and podcast idea for next year. So, yes. Uh, so speaking of podcasts, I mean, one of the things that we're doing here in our, our networking group, the Creative Masterminds, um, I and the other guys that are in the Creative Masterminds group, we want to The Creative Masterminds group? That is, uh, yeah, the, the Creative Masterminds group. Tell, what is the Creative Masterminds group? I guess I should probably take it back to that. So the Creative Masterminds group. Mark, that was six so far, by the way. Six so far. So, um, so as I was saying, the Creative Masterminds group. <laughs> Bing! Got my seven. Ding, 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 um, ding, ding, ding. So the Creative Masterminds group is essentially we're a bunch of guys that all of us provide services and expertise to um, people in the creative industries. I am not a creative person, but I enable creative people to do their best work. I provide that technology platform to ensure that none of the tech gets in their way. Michael Korn used to run an ad agency, but now he actually makes sure that the owners of creative industries are protecting their wealth, protecting their families, building and getting ready to, you know, to get financially educated about what they need to do because creative people tend to not be very good at math or money. Um, so that's like an area and you know and the list goes on from from Mike and Matt the voice is a reason where they're doing this coaching um, side of thing where they're helping creative people learn how to do things operationally because they don't know that the creative masterminds also contain um, Josh Sessler who's one of uh, he's an intellectual uh, intellectual prop IP attorney Um, and he helps them protect their copyrighted ideas and that sort of stuff so all of us in the creative masterminds group um, our job is to make creative people successful like that's what we do we share common customers we share a common goal and a common mission so that's our that's our thing Um, but what we're going to be doing in 2016 is we're going to be launching our own podcast where we are going to be interviewing people that come to our networking events people that are our customers people that are our friends and interviewing them in a way that we is similar to the way that we provide our services. When Michael sits with somebody, he's interviewing them and asking questions about their wealth and their goals and their plans. So we're going to give you people a snapshot of that, of the types of questions that we ask and the technology support thing of like, where is this business going and how can I be your CIO to help you stand out from the competition technologically? You know, those are the sorts of things that we're going to be doing um, in the Creative Masterminds uh, podcast. So I think, did I get an even 10? I did. I hit my 10. Bam. There we go. Um, That's fantastic. So lots of little plugs in there as well. Yeah. Lots of little plugs. See, in podcasting, when Rush Limbaugh says stuff like that, like everyone pays. Yeah, that's like $10,000 in name drop. You can hear a cash register in the back. Ching, ching, every time. Exactly. But in podcasting, it's just like you you help your friends, right? And people you believe in. So we're pushing up against the edge of an hour. You guys have all sat here very patiently. I hope that you've been engaged and entertained. Does anybody have any last sort of questions or thoughts or comments or anything that we can share with the room? I'm, I'm eager to hear from you. I know you all came here for a reason. It wasn't just for the uh, free beer and cheddar cheese, although it was delicious. And thank you so much to the LDI Color Toolbox team for hosting us. This was pretty incredible. Ozzy, you're the best. Thank you. Um, thank you, guys. Yay. Thanks so much for having me. This was great, Tom. Mark, thanks so much for being here. I am going to call this a, uh, a successful conversation uh, with Mark DeMassimo of the Inspiring Action Podcast. Yes, and DeMassimo Goldstein, and by the way. DeMassimo Goldstein. A how-many-year client of Valiant? Uh, 13, 15. Um, you, actually, you guys actually predate Valiant. You were one of my customers. 
Um, I worked with a woman named Laura Patterson, who was my was a coworker in the IT space, and ah. she changed gears to become a creative uh, in the AE space. She became an employee over at Damasimo back when it was just Damasimo, and uh, Laura said, "Jesus Christ, Tom, you've got to save these guys." And uh, and we got to know them, and we did. It's uh, it's been yeah. 14, 15 years that we've been working right. together. And, and in all that time, all the problems we've had in the last fourteen years, none of them have been technical. The, uh, <laughs> if only that was true. Before we lie any more aggressively, I'm going to call this a, a good night. Thank you so much. I am Tom Clancy <laughs> uh, of the Info Junkie Podcast. As always, stay out of trouble. Well, that was a blast to record. If you'd like to know more about Mark DeMassimo and his firm, DeMassimo Goldstein, you can look them up on the web at digobrands.com. That's D-I-G-O brands.com. And on Twitter at digobrands. To learn more about the NYC Creative Masterminds, please check out our group on LinkedIn and ask to join if you're a creative type person, that is. Thanks again for listening. I am and continue to be Tom Clancy. Thanks for tuning in.